Welcome to Schneps Connects. I'm your host, Josh Schneps. And if you move around New York City, we have a great episode of Schneps Connects for you. No matter how you're traveling in New York City or the surrounding region, it's very likely my next guest plays a role in it. Rick Cotton is the Executive Director of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey and is a thought leader in transportation across the world. Covering air, rail, land, and sea, our region is served by one of the most extensive transit systems in the world. Transportation is the backbone of the region's economy, providing access to jobs, education, and travel. To share with us more about the Port Authority and his role, I'd like to welcome Rick Cotton. Welcome, Rick. Thank you, Josh. Good to be with you. Likewise. I appreciate your time. Rick, I'd love to start off with you just sharing you know, a little bit about your personal background, as well as you know the role of the Port Authority. I think people know the Port Authority when they're driving, getting ready to get into a tunnel, or when they're pulling up to the, the region's airports. But it really is a, just an enormous umbrella that you oversee. Well, uh, it is. Let me uh, just in terms of my own uh, path to get to the Port Authority, not exactly a traditional one. I was a uh, worked for NBC Universal, um, both when it was owned by General Electric and then by Comcast for 25 years. Wow, wow. I then went to uh, work for Governor Cuomo. I joined him shortly after he had been uh, elected to his second term worked in the governor's office as a special counselor, became his point person on most of his downstate infrastructure projects. So those were projects such as the Tappan Zee Bridge, now the Mario Cuomo Bridge, the Second Avenue Subway, Moynihan Train Hall, the expansion of the Javits Center, several projects on the uh, on the Long Island Railroad. So it was it was uh, uh, just monitoring and, as I say, being his point person on those projects, and uh, also, by the way, including the airports. So the, uh, in particular, LaGuardia project. And after working for him for two and a half years, I wound up going to the Port Authority as his nominee for executive director. That was in August of 2017. So in August of this year, I marked my third anniversary and uh, it's been quite a ride. So, uh, and the portfolio of the Port Authority, uh, as you said, is uh, extraordinarily broad. It is uh, five airports, actually, including the three major ones, JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark, um, and but also including uh, Teterboro, General Aviation, and Stewart, New York Stewart Airport. We have uh, six bridges and tunnels, three that run from Staten Island to New Jersey and the George Washington Bridge, and then uh, the two tunnels, the Lincoln Tunnel and the Holland Tunnel, and the bus terminal, very importantly. We operate the PATH commuter railroad system, and uh, we also have, uh, very importantly, the, the seaport. Those are our four operating line divisions, and then uh, we also have the World the World Trade Center, where we're the landlord for uh, for the 16-acre site, and we devote a lot of attention to that. So broad brush, that's the landscape, and as you say, it keeps me off the streets. Well, I well, give, I give you, you the There are a lot of moving parts, also a lot, a lot of parts that are stationary, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, it's... Um, it, each one of them are, is a major enterprise, 
And uh, I have to say, we have a very strong leadership team and all of the facilities uh, have remained open and operating at a very high standard uh, throughout the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, before the virus uh, drove our passenger and ridership volumes uh, down to unprecedentedly low levels. If you look at 2019 and January and February of uh, 2020, the every single facility was operating at record levels and they operated month over month at record levels. And then with the pandemic, suddenly we were plunged where the airports were 98% down, PATH was 95% down, the bridges and tunnels were 65% down. Seaport held up a little a little better, but unprecedented. Never seen declines like that. Never seen these facilities operate at such low levels. So with such dramatic impacts on, on traveling, what have you put in place to really, I guess, improve confidence for people, particularly flying? What can you share has been put in place as far as safety measures or other things by both the airports and the airlines to, to make people feel more comfortable with traveling, whether it's business or leisure? Taken many measures, and it is really the highest priority to provide safe facilities for uh, our customers and also safe uh, facilities for our employees, for everyone who uh, who utilizes our, our facilities. And so there are a wide variety of, of measures that we've taken. Maybe starting with the what may be the most important is we have mandated that everyone using any of our facilities must wear a mask at all times. Mm -hmm. So that applies uh, to every square inch of the airports. It provide it applies to every square inch of our path commuter railroad, uh, along with bus terminal, all stations. It, it applies to uh, our facilities at the seaport. It applies to being in any of our office spaces employees, visitors. So that, that is in place at all of our facilities at our airports. We've actually gone a step further where we have uh, required that the only individuals allowed to enter the facilities are passengers with tickets, employees, or others who are on official business at the airport. So that enables us to keep those facilities as secure as we can make them. We also have at the airports tried to utilize touchless technology as much as possible. We have hand sanitizing stations every or virtually every place uh, where passengers where passengers are. We've tried to arrange the security lines, ways where there's as much social distancing as possible. There are touchless ways to order concession, food, uh, again, so that uh, people can both keep social distancing, but also can uh, refrain from any frequently touched surfaces or surfaces that have been touched by others and that haven't been cleaned. We have deep cleaning protocols at all the facilities. Path trains are cleaned every single night. Uh, there is cleaning and disinfecting of the stations bus terminal and the and the airport terminal similarly uh, constantly sanitized and and cleaned we put in special protocols in terms of cleaning the uh, the restrooms uh, so in almost every aspect that we can focus on and we work with our partners the terminal operators at the airport our partners the airlines uh, of the uh, of all of our airports and certified them as uh, as operating at the highest health and safety standard with respect to COVID 
So we're, we're looking for third-party validation. We are in the business of best practice. We really survey the, the country and the globe every, every week in terms of what technologies are being used elsewhere. We're committed to being at the a best in class in terms of health and safety. Well, I guess it wasn't a shock that New York City was one of the regions first impacted by COVID simply because we're a key entry point, both domestically and internationally. Is there anything being done for people that are flying in to the region in terms of testing? We have uh, opened multiple testing centers at all of our airports so that tests are readily available to anyone who is using our airports. Um, the, the, the health and safety protocols are set by uh, the two governors, by the governor of New York and the governor of New Jersey. So we look to the state departments of health for health guidance. Um, there are quarantine requirements uh, that have been in place for a substantial period of time in both states. Uh, recently, some testing uh, options were put on the table in terms of being able to have a shorter quarantine. Those are prescribed slightly differently for, for each state. But as I say, the, the testing capability is on offer to anyone, employee or passenger at each of the airports. And the quarantine rules are communicated constantly by the airlines, signage in the uh, in the airports, and we're prepared to provide assistance to the two states as they look at their quarantine requirements. And uh, as they require, uh, New York, for example, requires forms to be filled out uh, by passengers who are arriving. It is with respect to where they're coming from, where they're staying, communicating to them what the quarantine requirements are and the kind of testing that they would need to get done if they want to shorten the quarantine to less than 14 days. You know, talking about all these measures you put in place, it has to cost money. And on top of that, you know, you were saying that in some, you know, cases, I'm sure at the height, you know, traffic was down over 90%. So I have to imagine this is creating a shortfall. So how do you see the Port Authority being able to get out of this economically speaking? Well, let me take a step back. Uh, the Port Authority, it, it is the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. It was created 99 years ago going on 100. The Port Authority will celebrate its 100th anniversary next year. Uh, and it was created by both states in a formal agreement. In the case of two states making an agreement to create an authority like the Port Authority has to be approved by the Congress. That agreement was approved by the Congress. And the Port Authority was set up as a completely self-sustaining organization. We generate our own revenues uh, heavily based on the volume of activity. We don't receive any monies on a regular basis from New York. We don't receive any monies on a regular basis from New Jersey, and we don't receive any monies from the federal government. We, uh, we are entirely dependent on our own revenue generation. Two thirds of that, by the way, comes from our business partners like terminal operators, the airlines, people we're doing business with. Mm -hmm. uh, and a third comes from the fares and tolls that individuals, user fees that people pay. But many, many of those revenue lines are dependent on activity. So with the extraordinary decline in activity uh, and the airports remain 75% down, the 
commuter railroad path remains 75% down. Hmm. The bridges and tunnels are 12 to 15% down on a continuing basis. That has simply blown a hole in the Port Authority's finances. Normally, the revenues exceed expenses, and we devote every penny of that excess to our capital plan, to rebuilding infrastructure. A whole new LaGuardia is a good example, a whole new Terminal 1 at, at Newark Airport, a $2 billion renovation plan at the uh, George Washington Bridge. So what's happened, however, is that with that decline in revenue, we project that this year alone, we will lose $1.7 billion of revenue. Hmm. Wow, it takes your breath away. But that was the basis of our capital. Over two years, going through the early part of 2022, we project we'll lose $3 billion worth of revenue. So what that has forced is us to completely re-examine our capital plan. And uh, that's, that's the tragedy, which is we are committed. You can see the parts of LaGuardia that are open, what a 21st century airport built to global standards looks like. That's what this region deserves. Our airports, frankly, have been totally substandard for a long time. They're not the gateways that we should have. So the consequence is, while we're committed to moving forward on projects that have begun construction, like LaGuardia, like Newark Terminal 1, all the projects that are in pre-construction just have a big question mark by them now. And we not only want to continue tremendous focus on building 21st century infrastructure, we want to be part of the economic recovery that this region so desperately needs. Sure. So it's exactly the wrong time for us to be cutting back on our construction spending. We've gone to Washington. We've explained the challenge. Obviously, many, many businesses, industries, activities, state and local governments have been very hard hit by the coronavirus crisis. Uh, the Port Authority is right in that mix, and we have advocated as strongly as we know how for the federal government to make funds available to federal, state, and uh, to state, local government. We are a local government agency. We've asked for $3 billion to cover $3 billion revenue loss. The dysfunction in Washington up to now has meant that there has not been an additional stimulus bill passed. We continue, as many others do, to urge the Congress to enact such a bill. We have made the case for the role that the Port Authority plays in terms of the region's infrastructure and the region's economy, and we will continue to advocate for those funds. But at the moment, we are in a very dire situation in terms of being able to pursue our ambitious capital plan. You know, I assume some of these capital projects are just to improve, but others are for safety. What would you say are, are really the capital improvement projects that are at the top of the list in terms of getting completed? I would have to start with the two major airport projects that we have underway. Uh, we're building an entire new airport at LaGuardia. It'll be the first entirely new airport in 25 years. We're tearing down every single passenger facility down to the ground with the exception of the landmark marine air terminal and we're building a new and we we are about 60% through that project uh, 90% of terminal B on the western side of the airport is open to passengers it has gotten very very strong positive reviews overall the project as i say is about 60% done the delta eastern end is in full swing in terms of construction. The construction has continued unabated. 
through the coronavirus crisis. It is the same story for Terminal 1 over at Newark. Both of these are really uh, extraordinary in terms of 21st century characteristics. And when you come to operational quality and safety, these are going to be cutting edge. They're going to be cutting edge in terms of what they offer to passengers. They're going to be cutting edge in terms of security technology. They're going to be cutting edge in terms of safety aspects related to COVID-19. They really are going to be state-of-the-art. We're going to complete those airports. We also, by the way, regard access to the airports as an integral key part of redeveloping the airports. So at both LaGuardia and at Newark, we're committed to new air trains. LaGuardia, it will be a brand new air train. LaGuardia for way too long has been the only major airport on the East Coast to have absolutely no mass rail mass transit link. Newark has had one, but it is way past its useful life. We're going to build a brand new one. All of that is in the surface of first, uh, obviously, access to the airports, but also reducing congestion on the roads and congestion will return once we're past COVID. We don't want to be part of that. We don't want to be part of congestion generating excess greenhouse gases and excess pollution. We don't want to be part of congestion, which makes motorists who no interest in the airports slow down and getting to their destinations. So in terms of the big picture, those airport projects are at the top of the agenda. The George Washington Bridge renovation, it's George Washington Bridge has served this region well for nearly 100 years. We want it to serve the region well for another 100 years. It needs to be dramatically uh, strengthened, renovated, rebuilt. So whether you're talking about brand new or whether you're talking about ensuring a state of good repair on key infrastructure that has that is legacy and has been in place for a long time, that is what is at stake. Well, if my memory serves me correct, uh, President-elect Biden, when he was vice president, flew in and said that the airports really have to be updated, and then he he really fought for the funding. Is that correct? Uh, Well, he very famously uh, flew into LaGuardia and announced to the welcoming crowds that if you didn't know where you were and you arrived at LaGuardia Airport, you would think that you were in the third world. And that galvanized region. Uh, Governor Cuomo took on that that challenge. He appointed a blue ribbon committee, which developed a vision plan, a master plan for LaGuardia, developed a vision plan and a master plan for Kennedy. That is what uh, I'm happy to say everyone can see materializing before their very eyes at at LaGuardia. But it was very famously Vice President Biden who uh, brought focus to this, uh, the subpar nature of our airports. So maybe we just have to get them stuck in traffic getting to LaGuardia this time for the air train. <laughs> That's a, we'll have to take that under advisement. I personally have run to a terminal to catch a flight before. I know that for a fact that plenty of people have done that. Talk a little bit more about the air train. So obviously it's, that would be a huge investment and uh, certainly would cut commute times down and especially from Midtown Manhattan, parts of Queens, of course. So wh- where does that project stand besides funding? Well, where we are with that is we're in the midst of an environmental review by the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. They're about three quarters of the way through it. The project has been completely designed, planned. It would offer from Midtown Manhattan, either from Penn Station or for Grand Central, a less than 30-minute reliable and predictable uh, travel time to the airport. The alignment that the Port Authority has proposed and which, uh, by the way, has been accepted by the FAA as the preferred 
route would not go through any built up areas. It would not require the taking of any private land, neither residential nor commercial. And it would offer a six minute ride from the airport to the Mets Willet Point, Willets Point stop on both the Long Island Railroad and the seven subway line and there, thereby connect uh, directly to uh, Midtown Manhattan or to the entire Long Island Railroad rail network and to the entire subway network. It's just way past time for there to be a rail mass transit link. We should not be forcing people into vehicles on hugely congested uh, roadways, which uh, Queens knows all too well. Everyone who's gone to LaGuardia knows. And you wind up not being able to predict what the travel time will be. And we are completely committed to it. As, uh, and we look forward to starting construction once the FAA has finished its environmental review process. I might also say, by the way, that as part of that process in September, the FAA held three days of virtual public hearings. And literally, that's not an exaggeration, 80% of the speakers who appeared at these public hearings, of those who expressed an opinion, 80% of those speakers endorsed and supported the project. If you look at, with an extraordinary breadth of speakers, from community organizations to transit experts to environmentalists to uh, businesses uh, who depend on air travel, just a broad variety of voices in support of the project. Well, at the end of the day, not only does it take time to get to the airport, but it's expensive. This is an opportunity to really reduce, I would assume, the cost of not having to take car services or, or other means of transportation that could be expensive. It's absolutely both. It, it both provides a manageable and reliable and predictable trip and manageable in terms of expense. You're probably familiar that one of our media outlets is uh, the Airport Voice. So we're very familiar that the airports not only are a you know hub for people traveling, but they really are... Uh, cities unto themselves. Devoted reader of Airport Voice, and uh, I would recommend it to everyone who is either watching or listening uh, to our discussion. It, as you're, you're absolutely correct. Those communities and the the effort and the the number of workers uh, with multiple employers at the airport. It's a very important group. They're very committed. And uh, it's a very, uh, we appreciate the coverage. But I assume also that economically speaking, just, I don't know if you have a figure, just to put in perspective, the amount of people that are employed through um, the major airports. Well, in terms of uh, the total number of employees at the three major airports, it's more than 40,000. If you looked at uh, at the two Queens airports, it's more than 20, 27, nearly 30,000 employees. So th this is a major employer and the amount of commerce and business that gets done, obviously, in terms of all the operations at the airports, they, they drive literally tens of billions of dollars of economic activity, starting with Queens, but throughout the whole metropolitan area. Yeah, I mean, I guess what's positive for you is positive for the whole city, but also the other way around, like a lot of the hotels that are in Queens surrounding by the airports and and, you know, uh, many other businesses that people don't even think about that are impacted by the airports. Well, those those tens of thousands of jobs at the airport, the, those are those are local residents. So enormous number of jobs uh, in Queens and elsewhere in the 
in New York and elsewhere in New Jersey. Jobs come. If you look at the cargo operations, if you look at the uh, the number of travelers, as you say, that was a key part of the region's business related to the travel industry, tourism, all of those will return, but they are key pillars of the entire economy. There's been a tremendous talk, uh, particularly in the media, about the state of the Gateway Tunnel Project. So I don't know if you can share, you know, why that project is so important and if, you know, what would it take or what the real risk is in, in terms of that project. Port Authority has been a great supporter of the need for that project. The, the project itself is being overseen by a special company, a special commission uh, established by New York and New Jersey called the De- Gateway Development Corporation. And the but the role that two Amtrak tunnels that run under the Hudson carry just an extraordinarily important and high volume set of passengers into and out of between New Jersey and New York every single day. New Jersey Transit trains are a major uh, user of the tunnel. And so you have literally hundreds of thousands of commuters dependent on those tunnels, and you have the entire Northeast Corridor of Amtrak, which is their heaviest rail uh, corridor that has the heaviest use and is the one profitable part of the Amtrak network. So that it's not unfair to say that the GDP of the New York area, indeed going up into New England, is hugely dependent on uh, the vital functioning of that railing. But these tunnels are more than 100 years old. So they are deteriorating. They have, There are occasions when they have literally failed. The signal system in the tunnels have failed. Um, there's been concrete that has fallen off. And when that happens, it totally disrupts the rail transit, not only between New York and New Jersey, but through, as I say, the Northeast Corridor of Amtrak. So I don't think there's any disagreement that this is the most urgent infrastructure project in the country. And it has not gone forward because of the complete failure by the federal government, the Trump administration, to follow through on an agreement that was struck with the Obama administration for the local entity, the local states, New York and New Jersey, to fund 50% of the tunnel and the federal government, because this is such an important regional resource, would step in and fund 50%. And the Trump administration has simply adamantly refused to put that funding on the table. The states have come up with their share of the funding that is on the table, it is committed funding, but the federal government simply has not come forth. And indeed they have just blocked uh, forward progress on the on the tunnel at every juncture. So that's why it is stalled. It is a tragedy. It's a tragedy for the region. It's a tragedy for the country. And one has to hope that the new Biden administration will follow a very, very different path. Are you optimistic or do you think it's really a, a very large risk still going into the new year, new administration? Well, what we know is that President-elect Biden is a ardent supporter of rail transportation. Uh, his his nickname has been uh, Amtrak Joe. He t- used Amtrak to get to and from Washington during his many years in the in the Senate. It is clear that he will bring a totally different attitude to the table. And um, I think I would be very hopeful that the Biden administration would take a very different approach to these uh, urgently needed tunnels. Let's hope that nickname sticks for this <laughs> You know, I'd love to just end off, you know, you're such an important leader in the region. 
And we've all kind of had to operate differently. And, you know, sometimes crisis makes us uh, evaluate uh, organizations. What lesson have you learned? Um, what would you think would be the greatest lesson you've learned um, dealing with management during this crisis? Well, I would have to start out commitment and dedication of the employees of the Port Authority. I think, we, as I said earlier, every single facility of the Port Authority has remained in operation. It has remained in operation at a very high standard of quality. Our frontline workers uh, have come in to their posts day in and day out. So one uh, thing that you just have to take away is admiration for the, the commitment of the public servants that uh, that work at an agency like the Port Authority. I think the other thing you realize is that you you really have to face into reality as it is, not as you would wish it to be. So you have to recognize the intensity and extent of the danger. We move very, very quickly from the point of view of the health of our employees to change almost every procedure by which employees reported to work so that we didn't have people clustering together, adjust procedures, put employees into A and B teams so that if you did have one worker or one employee who came down, became sick, that it didn't take out an entire team and you didn't have the skills available. So by keeping having teams work one day on, one day off, if one of them did get uh, exposed, you would have skilled uh, people to come in and uh, take their take their place. So I think that rapid response and that you can't hesitate, you have to recognize the challenge, you have to recognize the danger and move aggressively and quickly to respond to it. And I, I would say, third, that you, you recognize need for technology to help address what are new challenges and new threats. And so you begin to look at how I think all everyone working remotely required organizations, uh, virtually every organization uh, adopted very different policies in terms of how to communicate, how to get documents transmitted back and forth, how to sign documents, uh, simply how to work and relying on today's communications technology uh, to enable organizations to continue to, to move forward. So it was uh, it's a challenge in terms of how you adapt to uh, such a rapid change in circumstances. Well, Rick, I'm grateful for your uh, time and your insights, and I'm thankful for the whole team at the Port Authority for keeping this city moving. Well, I appreciate that, Josh. Good to be with you. I have to say, as i working your, your way through a crisis like this is really makes you step up and perform. I appreciate your comments. I appreciate the coverage that you provide to our airports and other, other facilities, and uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. Likewise. Our pleasure. Make sure to check out a new episode of Schneps Connects every week, wherever you get your podcasts, or stream us online at podcasts.schnepsmedia.com. Dot com.